Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Jimin Bateman. What's up, guys? Excited to be Senior. here. We're in year seven of the podcast now, um, which uh, we missed the six-year anniversary, whenever that was. I don't exactly know when, but it's right around now. I mean, I think ish. Maybe September. we didn't miss it. Maybe uh, it's, maybe it's in first, November. The first episode ever was a primer on Affinity. The second episode ever was the set review for, I want to say, Battle for Zendikar, in which we had no, Marshall it was on. Cons. It had to have been or Cons, cons right? Right? Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Cons and Tarkir. It was Cons and Tarkir. It was Cons, and I believe Marshall was our guest uh, in the second episode. And then the third episode was... Um, Judges are your friends with Leo Morris. And then we had Jules Robbins on, Eugene Wang, because he just won Orlando. And then we had you on. And then the next episode, we had Andrew Brown on. And that was the first episode without, um, uh, without, without Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Well, whenever it was, we're in year seven. <laughs> it's an exciting time to be alive. Uh, there are things happening in the world that are exciting. It looks like, uh, obviously, election is behind us and we're in the, uh, between now and January 20th phase of the election now, but whatever it is, uh, it's exciting to no longer be waiting until November 3rd because it was stressful for everybody to be waiting for that date. Um, and I'm glad that's not the thing we're waiting for anymore. And it also looks like, based on some of the stuff that happened this week, there will be some sort of vaccine and probably paper magic hopefully next year. I'm hoping, my fingers are crossed. I miss that stuff greatly. I really, really miss going to GPs or Magic Fests as they are, I guess, now, are now called. Opening paper magic packs in stores good lord <laughs> on a tangent on that uh we uh i just watched the queen's gambit on netflix over the weekend yeah. and if you are a magic player which um if you're listening to this video and our podcast you're a magic player hopefully welcome to a magic video and podcast for non-magic players uh a game about dragons fighting other dragons uh it's a show it's a show that takes place in like the 1959 to 1969 basically that like 10 year gap about the, a fictional best chess player at that time uh, like a grandmaster chess player uh, and uh, it basically is Mad Men meets PTQ grinding like this like if you are a magic player who has ever played in magic tournaments of any variety there will be weird things that are uh, viscerally familiar um, and I didn't know I needed that, but it a makes me extremely miss playing live paper magic in places like and going to Grand Prix and going to magic fests and all of that stuff, but also just like very nostalgic for like turning your paper slip at the end of every round and like hanging out with people in a hotel lobby after the event or like you hanging out with a group of people and going over every bad move you made in that last game. Like all of these <laughs> things happen in this show and it's like and then it's like Mad Men. It's all like 1950s, 1960s everyone smokes and it's all this cool style um how was uh how was anya taylor joy she's the lead yeah she kills it kills really really good for her good for her yeah yeah, yeah. she's uh she's somebody who has had like a delayed rise to fame uh for several reasons there was a few things that she was involved in that should have been bigger that kind of sucked like new mutants obviously got heavily delayed and then glass was not particularly good sure um but she is somebody who i think is very talented I, a couple years ago i actually got to interview her um and she was a little awkward but she was a total sweetheart yeah yeah and, she's she's she did a phenomenal job like like yeah 
as I said this on the arc. If I mean, I get it. The Emmys exist, but she deserves best actor actress award for the year <laughs> is, is an argument that I could make off of this performance. That's really um, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, that's something I, I intend to watch at some point. I might even break my TV versus movie rule as, and watch as a magic player. Oh. I recommend this is like a show about magic players. It's about chess, but it's about magic players. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, which is really cool. Uh, even like the like the cool guy who like is it chess player so he's not actually that cool but he's like a prodigy but so then he like wears a cowboy hat and wears only leather jackets and has like a side knife and like think he like looks like he thinks he's a movie cool guy is like a person i've met at magic tournaments (laughs) um so like like yeah i i i definitely recommend it um so what we're talking about today commander uh legends has come out or is coming out very shortly the previews are fully previewed uh we have a bunch of cards we want to talk about that are like really so we're, we're breaking this into two parts so this episode is going to be me and ben and we're going to kind of go into um just cards that we wish were in historic or on magic arena or in modern specifically or legacy and, and or, or what we would maybe do with them in legacy and vintage if we can think that far into the past um and just talk about some kind of our favorite things uh, and then uh, touch upon that. Well, next week, we're going to do a big review on like each of the commanders and and talk about which commander decks we built out of them and what kind of they do. That, that's cool and creative. Also, next Monday, which is today. So tonight, not even next Monday, tonight at the release of this episode, if this is after that, go watch the VOD is on YouTube. We'll be live streaming uh, commander playing commander decks built around the new commanders from this set. So, so, so as like a two-parter that will happen in the following Monday, we'll talk about each commander tonight. We're talking about, uh, some of our favorite cards from that set. So please make sure to check out the stream. If you uh, are watching this right now, uh, it's tonight, 7 30 PM, uh, Pacific standard time. Um, and the first card is not necessarily the highest power level on the conversation we're going to have. It's just one I picked out because I think it's pretty sweet. Uh, and it's forceful denial. This is three blue, blue instant counter target spell. So it's a five mana counter spell, uh, but it has cascade, um, which like it's really interesting. And part of what I want to talk about it now is because I want to talk about just cascade in general, because there's a lot of it in this set. Now, most of it is pretty high CMC. I think if actually all of it is uh, like, I don't, I don't know if there's a card in the set that's for CMC or below, um, but a counter spell that lets you cascade is kind of insane. Like this is a, in some ways, a free counter spell or a one man straight up counter spell. Forceful denial. Okay, gotcha. I was just waiting to pull it up here. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a, a cascade counterspell, I think, is interesting, right? I think I, I the scalable nature of these types of cards, they're interesting because in Commander, this card is interesting. In any other format, this card is a little bit more like, hmm. The biggest problem with this card is that unless you're playing it as the like two or three of counterspell in the deck, you never want to flip a counterspell off of a cascade spell. Like, I actually think this is... If this was on Arena, I think this card would be historic playable. I think I think the power level of getting a like a free spell that's uncounterable, right? Because the way Cascade triggers with this, this you can hold up for five mana. You would only play one of them, and you wouldn't want to play other counter spells, or at least they want to be modal. But like the fact that you can Blood Braid Elf off of a counter spell on your opponent's turn, I think is not to be discounted. And like, I think it's okay. That's a, so that's that's an interesting point, especially considering. If the only counter spell in your deck is forceful denial, you'll never flip another forceful denial off of a forceful denial, which is right. Well, you like play a with like Archmage Charm and like your other counter spells could be like Archmage Charm or um, uh, Cryptic Command. Cryptic Command, right? Like where there's other options available to them. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's cool, right? I think there's also the sort of like living end style deck that you could think of playing this card in where uh, not necessarily specifically living end, but, you know, having something set up where, you know, the thing you're flipping is a little more specific. You're playing a lot of cyclers, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's cool. I don't think it's overtly powerful, but it's interesting. Even in modern, like playing Jace, like having this in hand, brainstorming, putting any four drop Planeswalker in your deck to fairy even three mana and then just like keeping this up and then countering their spell like i like how do you deal with that yeah. <laughs> emotionally yeah that's that, that's totally fair uh yeah and the fact yeah, that cascade like you it doesn't the cascaded card that you get doesn't interact with the stack it's a triggered ability from casting the card so you can't counter this so you're going to get two spells so hmm. they have to either counter your spell and counter the thing you get it's just like cascade is such a powerful ability that like i think it being on a counter spell is not to be discounted that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I also think you could play this alongside like, uh, okay, I, I see where you're going with this. I still think at five mana, it's a little chunky, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a cool idea. It's definitely a cool idea. Sure. What was that card? See the unwritten? No, that's not the card. Blue one. Uh, look at the top three, get one into your hand. And if it's, if you cast it without paying its mana cost, you get all three. Yes. I think it is. See the unwritten. Maybe that's it's right. called see the unwritten. Marsh is putting card, it right there. So we, uh, he'll, he'll, you, the, the world knows and we do, we don't. <laughs> That card alongside this card seems cool because it's like a sweet dig set up my whole situation card. And if you flip it off this, you just draw three, which is dope. Like like, what's something that's cool is that this is the first time we've had cascade spells since uh, the 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 Maelstrom Wanderer plane chase deck. Yeah. Right. So I I think I think I think also I think also the other thing here to consider is like obviously these cards are not going to be legal in modern or in historic. But the format that we have played a lot of in our time, which is Highlander Gauntlet, is the question is, would you play this in a Highlander Gauntlet deck? Because that's the power level we're talking about. Right. That's a little more powerful, but it's still the same conversation. And I feel like you would play this in a Highlander Gauntlet deck. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in like blue green where there's ramp spells or something like that uh, in rug that I have. The other thing is there is an opportunity, right? Like like us talking about these cards. Uh, Modern Horizons is around the corner. Modern Horizons 2 is around the corner. Modern yeah. Horizons 3 is coming out after that. And I would actually be surprised if there weren't some cards from this set as plants for Modern Horizons 2. Like if I'm Wizards, right? Like including, excuse me, what, some of these cards in that just works. Not the ones with partner, but some of the other ones. And then on top of that, they could just do a, a, a historic anthology that includes this card on Arena Tomorrow. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I would love to see this in historic. In historic, I mean that this seems this seems appropriately powered for historic in a really fun way, actually. Uh, next card All is right. Ghost of Ramirez Di Pietro, two blue, uh, named after my uh, family dog Pietro, uh, legendary creature spi- spirit pirate. Uh, Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro can't be blocked by creatures with toughness three or greater. Uh, when Ghost Ramirez de Pietro deals combat damage to a player, choose up to one target card in a graveyard that was discarded or put there from a library this turn. Put that card into his owner's hand. Also, they have partner, but that's a little less relevant to the conversation on uh, non-constructed. Now, this card's sweet. The fact that you can loot and then use this to draw that card. Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro that you were talking about. Yes. Basically, the idea being that you could loot or any kind of a self-discard effect to get a, an advantage. This thing domes because it's a little hard to block, and then you get the card back. So it's like kind of turning the downside of looters into something that goes into your hand. Or a self-mill gives you lots of card selection. Right. Also also a pirate, also a spirit. To, to spirit, extremely relevant creature type. Uh, pirate, more so if other pirate cards that were in this set were brought into other worlds or that more pirate themed tribal things continue, which I think is really cool. 
Uh, one of the things I really like about this set is kind of this leaning into pirate tribal again. And we got some characters that were from the uh, Ixalan story that we didn't get cards for. Uh, all of that, uh, 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 Vraska's crew, and then one of the other captains that we didn't get to see now have cards, which is really cool. Uh, um, and then... Uh, this being a spirit, obviously super relevant. This having kind of unblockable by things that could kill it in a fight, right? Like, it can't be blocked by bigger things, and if it's a smaller thing, it's going to... Like, the worst thing to see is a 2-4 or a 2-3, I guess, for uh, P De Pietro, but otherwise, yeah. it can kind of get in there, uh, and mostly, most of the time, we'll be able to hit them, so you just have to be able to loot or... Um, mill right it's just gonna put there from a library so you can mill yourself to, like hedge and crab and this is sweet <laughs> i think yeah i think this guy feels feels like he's most well suited in a format of the power level of about historic i hard to imagine him being highly effective in something more powerful than that maybe modern i like the fact that he is uh, a spirit as you mentioned he goes he goes along nicely with our preview card ghostly pilfer which is sweet you could discard a card off of the pilfer to make it unblockable to get in for damage then you get the card back mm -hmm. that all seems very mm -hmm. cool um so yeah interesting card uh not not over but but cool definitely I would, cool see, i thought you would love this card i thought this would be more up your alley it like is i think it's really cool i just I, i'm trying to think of like card. how to pr like best take advantage of it in a competitive format and the, the thing it has the biggest problem with in those formats is that it's a three mana creature that doesn't do anything when it comes down that's the biggest problem with it right it's just it falls into that same category so many sweet creatures over the years have which is that you know, I actually, I actually think that this in Commander is much cooler. Like I, as a partner Commander, I yeah. think this card is great. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, uh, do so. you do? You know yet what you're building uh, next week? I don't. I don't. Okay. I have to look through. I have to look through the whole thing and and, and get get prepped up for it. But I'm definitely excited about it. I mean, I I, I love. I had such a good time building the uh, the Rogues Mill deck that last time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a really nice building challenge to kind of know what I have to build. So it should be great. Next card is, and this is a card that I think. I, I want to talk about also in Commander a little bit because I think this is actually my least favorite card in the entire set. It's Hall Breacher. Two and a blue for a 3-2. Merfolk Pirate Flash. If an opponent would draw a card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, instead you create a treasure token. Uh, I think that Wizards needs to stop printing cards that do this with wheels. I think that this card should have read, if an opponent would draw a card uh, off of a, an effect that they control, except for the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, instead you create a treasure token. I think that's great. I think a card that hates on people drawing too many cards is good for magic. I think that, and when we talk about the black one, I'm going to kind of talk about that there. My problem with this card is, is that you get to, like, if your wheels happen, it's just another way to wipe everyone's hand from the game, and it's become a relatively common and boring, and and not just because, Ben, you're doing this. This is something that you deal with in other places. Like, it's been problematic <laughs> yeah. in the past, too. It's been problematic when it's been printed in the Legacy, right? Like, this, Leovold was problematic. Narset was miserable uh, and, and, and was, like, problematic from a play feel experience in modern um and like this kind of effect i just think needs to go away and i think like moving it towards like i i, I think stopping people from drawing extra cards is good i think they're adding literally just if they control that effect it would be good for magic yeah i, I get you i get you i think i think the thing that i want to do here before i respond on hall breacher is that i would like to loop in the other card you just mentioned opposition agent talk about them at the same time because they have different effects but similar places in terms of the printing and the style right sure. the, the things they harken back to so the card opposition agent which is one black and two colorless another flash three two creature this one a human rogue um 
It's black too. You control your opponents while they're searching their libraries. While an opponent is searching their library, you may exile each card they find. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast them. So both of these are kind of templated to be in the style of like the Notion Thief type of effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, I think Notion Thief is probably the most played commander card that has like that type of feel. Um, uh, Narset, then, I think, sees more play than Notion Thief. Uh, just because it's one color. Like no, Narset being just mono blue versus blue yeah. black makes it able to be I think in. what I mean is these are as a flash creature where you can respond oh, oh, to an sure. ability. Yes, yes. Right? Because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. effectively what the idea here on these cards is. Because if they weren't flash creatures, if they were sorcery speed creatures or planeswalkers, they would have the same downside we just talked about with the last card, which is that they're three mana creatures that the, right when they come down, they don't do anything. But the fact that they're flash means that they have this reactive ability. Right. The fact that they're creatures has almost no bearing anyway. They're actually just spells that leave a body. And as long as there's no way to interact with that spell when you cast it, you get this enormous advantage by casting it. Well, and, and if this read until with the blue one, because I, I, I do want to address these differently because I have very different opinions between the two. Okay. Uh, with the blue one, if it was until end of turn, also no issue. A little bit of an issue. It kind of still sucks because you could still for six mana wheel people. But then you're playing two cards that you have to get together and it has to happen on the same turn and it has to be at sorcery speed. Like all the things work a little bit better um, to make it less powerful. But the fact that this like sticks around, you wheel uh, in commander, you draw... You know, you draw your seven cards and then also get 15 mana or more than that, right? You get 21 yeah, mana you know, if you have I three got, I got to tell you, though, on that subject, the, the big difference that I see here, and this is something I've learned by playing manager and commander as, as much as I have now, is every once in a while that gets you something crazy. And it's like really, really good. It's exactly played correctly at the right time. But often it's like you don't have exactly what you need to go along with that effect. So having all the extra mana, and granted, I know it's different that expires versus the treasures that don't. Well, but even that, so, you draw seven cards in that situation, right? Like, like when you mana drain someone, they just lose a card, and you have whatever cards you have in hand. So sometimes that mana yeah. doesn't work for what you have in hand. With Hall Breacher, you draw seven cards, and you get twenty-one treasure tokens that you can save for later. You're saying that if you do it off of your own wheel yeah. or whatever. Yeah, if you wheel a fortune with Hall Breacher in play, that's all I'm talking about. I mean, if you just do it to someone regularly, it's fine, right? It's good. It's really good, but it's, 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 I, my, my issue with the card isn't that it does that. My issue with the card is in concert with wheel effects and, uh, time twister effects, which are what this card will be played with. Like that is what's going to happen. Um, and I think yeah. that's where yeah. it's problematic. Yeah. I think this card's less problematic than you think, actually. I think Narset is more problematic. Narset is a bigger problem because it's a Planeswalker. And and there, it, this is a problem because it has Flash, so you can wait and you can end of turn do it to go into your Windfall or your Wheel or whatever. Um, but I also think that it's a creature with two toughness. So, like, the things you're talking about in general, you have to have protection for your creature as well as the effect so people can't just kill a two-toughness creature in response. I, I, I'm not saying that I think but like, I like agree with you. I think that effect is not great. Significantly what? less individual creature removal is also significantly less played in commander than like, I would say a planeswalker is actually easier to kill because you have three different players that each have an opportunity just to attack it with three creatures that they have versus this, which the only way to get rid of this is if I have a board wipe or targeted removal or somehow convince it to block and or attack me. Um, that's I, I, I totally hear your concern about this card. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I want to talk about with these cards the most, because I I would say that in general, I agree with you. I don't think that having control of that effect and wheeling people out of the game is something that's that positive for the commander format. I think in general, it's a fun novel effect here and there. But if it happens too often or it's not in CDH, 
I think it definitely makes the gameplay experience worse. Um, it, it, when it I happens even, to you, it's not fun. I think even in CDH, it's problematic. And not and in there, I, I think it's the same way that I hate Blood Moon in Modern, right? Like, it's not yeah. too powerful for that format. That format deals with more powerful things. But I do think it's miserable. And I think, like, Blood Moon is not too powerful that it's ever been dominant in Modern in a way that's problematic. But when it's good, it makes games less fun. And I think that this has a similar issue and from a game design printing perspective i think it's a mistake and i and then on top of that i think this is just like a card that people are going to jam in commander decks and it's going to be like land, mass land destruction eventually like this type of effect should just be avoided um in general because i think we're now at a point where there's too many cards that are like unfun and powerful that they're just not going to ban them so i just would rather not play against this card in the long run it'll be cool the first time someone does it and that's my point like wizards should not print cards that do this like this now because we don't have touch unless you have anything else you want to say on hall breacher i was just going to say that hall breacher and the other card that we just mentioned a second ago i would like to talk about them in, in eternal formats a little bit more because i think they have a totally different implication there so sure. can, we, can we keep hall breacher and opposition agent separate because i have a whole different conversation on opposition agent but i do think let's sure. okay yeah. so so hall breacher in modern in legacy in those formats i think is dope i would love to see hall breacher in modern i think that card would be really cool there i think in legacy it gets a little leovoldy like leovold was already a problem and i know they like didn't deal with it very well this is worse than leovold which i think you would i think we can agree on worse in the sense that it's not as powerful or a a, a worse more problematic effect more, not as powerful like I, I think this like i think in legacy can handle this card i think this is a fair leovold to have in legacy i think it's going to be good there but like you getting treasures versus drawing cards off of brainstorm. You, you like is less kind of what you were saying with mana drain, right? It's, it's less going to be about time twisting people out or, 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 or uh, wheel of fortune, especially in those eternal formats. We're having a lot of mana is a lot less significant, right? Like, well, what are you going to do? Cast your three, one drop spells <laughs> in store. Maybe it's really cool as a sideboard card uh, or ad nauseum tendrils, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think, and I uh, vintage this card could be the best card ever printed or not. I don't know. I think the other card is problem like maybe problematic for vintage. I think that's the one community where I've heard people be like, this is terrible. Um, but I, I, I guess, I guess my one thought on that is in terms of it being less powerful than Leovold. So I think in a vacuum, the answer is yes. Right. Like Leovold is a three, three for three that has like the multiple abilities attached to it, but it also costs three different colors. This card costs three, leaves you with a three-two body, only costs one colored mana, counters a spell effectively. Because if you're playing this in response to like a, I mean, if it's like a brainstorm, <laughs> great. But if it's in response to like a serum visions, even right, like you're you're saying counter your spell. So my card doesn't draw me a card, but it gets me a lotus petal. So I draw a lotus petal, and I'm left with a three-two. So unless you have interaction for my spell when it comes into play, which you could if you want, but you're going to waste a card then. It's a heat like that's a haymaker of a card. Like that's a three two creature that counters a spell and draws you Lotus Petal. That's pretty good. And it has flash like Leobold is awesome, but you have to have three colors. It's legendary and it doesn't do anything immediately when it comes down. Right. It, it just means it restricts your opponent. Sure, it, it but like they because it has a protective ability where that you can't trip no matter what. I think it 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 comes into play and does something pretty immediately in a format where brainstorm is the most played card. Uh, I think getting a treasure is worse than drawing a card too, right? Like you not drawing a card, yeah. and me just getting mana is not as good generally. Um, yeah. 
But I, I agree this card is really good. I think it's less problematic than Leovold, but we'll find out. And I, I am not one to attest to have any in-depth knowledge of what Legacy is looking like and what it needs. In modern, though, and historic even, I think this card's really sweet. I think that's actually the place I wish this was printed into. Uh, this is a Modern Horizon card. Sounds really cool. And I could see it being a Modern Horizons card. The other complaint that I'm remembering, and that's a card for both of these, I think this should have been a red card. Oh, because you want it to go alongside Dockside just in terms of theme and flavor? It's like it's a, it's making treasures. It's making mana. Like, why is blue ramping in this way? Like, it's stealing card draw, which feels red because it's like anti-blue. There's like a lot. Like, it wouldn't be a merfolk, right? It would be like, like a goblin pirate or something. But like, otherwise, I think like it feels like a red card to me. Like a lot. Even if you added my template, it feels like a red card to me, which I think is what I would do differently with it. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's a cool card. I think it's a cool card. I think it's too powerful. It's definitely too powerful for Historic. I think this card would be insane and, well, and problematic in Historic. I guess I guess my point, my, my issue though, stealing a, like card draw isn't as relevant. People aren't playing Brainstorm effects all the time in Historic, right? Like they're, they're, it's relevant. There are effects, but this is like more matchup dependent. It's not like Legacy where every player is playing Brainstorm. It's not like Commander where you can combo it with cards that are banned in these other formats like Time Twister and 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 Wheel of Fortune aren't legal in modern or or, or historic or anything even close to that in in historic. Um so and like I don't even know does if you I don't want to figure that out. The one that ends your turn when you cast it. I guess it's a stack effect, so you just make the treasures and they don't draw the cards, and then it ends, so you still get Glorious that. Glorious yeah, end. Yeah. yeah. I think I think that the place that I can think of with this card being so good is just the number of times that you like end a turn in historic and somebody opts, or the number of times that Curious Obsession is the key to the win, or the number of times that like Uro just gets there for someone. Um this card just coming into response to those effects just gives you, I think, such an advantage. Like I, I, like turning off someone's curious obsession, honestly, in the decks that curious obsession is like the reason they win is like enough to just win. Like they don't have a great way to answer your thing that can flash back in. So I don't know. I mean, we, I, I want to talk about the black one as well. I think this card's awesome. I think it's too good for historic. It's just right for modern. And I look forward to playing it in commander for the reasons other than what we just said with wheel effects. So just go away. Uh, yeah. So least favorite <laughs> card in the set for me. Now, what might be one of my favorite cards in the set, which is wild because people hate this card, and that's Opposition Agent. It's two and a black human rogue flash. You control your opponents while they are searching their libraries. While an opponent is searching their library, you may exile each card they find. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were a mana of any color to cast it. So what this allows you to do is if your opponent does anything that tutors or searches for a land to put it into play, or ramps, you get to do it for yourself instead. And people are very mad at this card. Um, they kind of look at it similar to the other ones. I think I think it's more of the issue with its relationship with fetch lands and ramp, right? They don't like that this flashes in and steals, is like a land hate card. Um, I personally think that cards... Right now, there's an argument that A, people like don't like off-colored fetches, and so this this removes fetch lands from the format, and B, that this allows kind of a, a really cool way to hate on um, tutor effects, which are like very prevalent in specific parts of the format, like in the EDH community, but the more casual you get, the less relevant it is. And, and then the last one it kind of hates is on rampant growth effects. <sighs> 
but I would argue pretty handily, like I would argue pretty far that one of Commander's flaws is that ramp is too good and card draw is too good uh, and tutoring is used too often in older formats, but specifically something that hates on ramp, I think is actually really good for the format. I think people need to be ramping less and this does it in a way that discourages people to lean on it versus what was versus land destruction, right? Like that's, that's kind of the like, well, the best way to fight big ramp decks is to destroy all your lands. And that has less, more of a negative con issue to me. And I think this does yeah. a really good job at like hating on some of the parts of the format that currently are maybe a little too powerful in a way that's interesting and cool. Um, while also just being like a good car, a, a cool card. Um, yeah. Thoughts? I think if you were to arrange the things that people do in magic that are unfair, like generally not in every deck, cause there are like totally weird wild decks. But if you, if you would like to arrange them, it's like some combination of things that are taking advantage of tutors. Like in general, Fetch lands allow the best version of dual lands that are legal in whatever format they're legal to make your mana really smooth and silky. Um, and if it's not them, it's like your Terramorphic Expanses and your things like that that allow you to play multiple colors and get those effects. Tutors make it so that you can, and obviously those are tutors, but general tutors allow you to access the things in your deck that you have one of or less of or are the key to you winning. If you imagine a deck that is playing a bunch of basic lands in two colors and all of the spells you're playing are just good spells and you're just curving into them and drawing fairly and like drawing more cards and that's how you win the game. This card does nothing to you. Absolutely nothing. Right. It's right. Like the way magic is sort of intended and was designed, the original, original tutor, the only and first one is demonic tutor, right? In that original set, that's the only one I believe, unless I'm forgetting another one. So you mentioned like rampant growth effects and, you know, cultivates and things like that. I think if this steals your ramp and your deck can't ramp anymore, fine. It just means some of the cards you draw are dead. You don't play them. Like, so you have to get there a little slower. But other than that, it doesn't do anything to hurt you. It just means you can't play a few of your cards. So some of the cards you draw are blanks. I actually think that in general, this card's pretty sweet. I think that the formats that it's the most, like the most problematic in are the ones where the hyper competitive nature of the tutors in those formats will mean that whoever draws this card gets like just an outrageous advantage, right? Like we talk about CEDH. <laughs> this card is such a haymaker in that format. It's sure. not even fair. You talk about like playing this in legacy in modern to some degree fetch lands, I think being the biggest place that it matters there. Um, you know, the, the, but I don't think this card is un unfair. I just think it's very powerful. It's more powerful than the blue one for sure. Um, yes, it is more powerful than the blue one. I don't know if I agree with that, actually. You think the blue one's more powerful? I, the blue one is more applicable to more situations, right? Like, like as you said, the amount of times... So, like, I've played a lot of Aven Mind Sensor in my life. Uh, yep. I don't think I've ever had a commander deck that didn't... Uh, I guess in since 2010, I have not had a commander deck that did not have at least one Aven Mind Sensor in one of them, right? Like, I've always had a deck that had an Aven Mind Sensor in it. I've almost got it a few times. <laughs> uh, I've cast the card a lot. The card is on the edge of being cut regularly because it, like, so often misses. Yeah, yep. You're so often like, oh, I'll hold this up and I won't cast anything this turn, and then I'll cast something else, or like I need to get this thing into play, I'll hold it up, and the turn that you play something is the turn they tutor, or they fetch, or you would have gotten them, and then you're like, oh man, this card didn't do anything. It survives, because every once in a while, like it's a great Flash 2-1 that you can strap an equipment to, and also is good at getting people once in a while, but it's not the most broken card, and this is better than Aven Mind Sensor, 
Um, By like a very significant margin. I mean, comparing these two cards is absurd. Um, I don't know if it's that significant. Like evasive two on flyer that that prevents people from searching their library to, versus a three two flash that you get that one thing. This is d- better. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not better, and it's in a better what, color combo. Think, think, but think it's about not what you're worlds think. better. Because like, yes, like <laughs> no, you draw one card. I mean, maybe if you tutor, if you get them on a demonic tutor, great. But like. They are cards that are going to be dependent on what your opponents are playing versus versus Hall Breacher, right? Like, I, I, I guess my point more is that Hall Breacher, I think, is just always good. People are always drawing cards. The magic is built on people adding extra card draw effects to their decks versus this card, which I think is very good. And it's very powerful. And in CDH, I think both of these cards are immediate staples. I think this card does more to change how people build their decks. Like, I don't think Hall Breacher is getting people to play less card draw. I think this gets people to play less searchable ramp, less fetch lands, and less tutors because it's so much more punishing. But I think in the long run, it ends up not being as powerful because of that, I guess. it's it's. I mean, I'm just thinking about the fact that, like, so best case scenario when mm-hmm. you play Aven Mind Sensor in Modern, best case scenario, your opponent blanks on a fetch land or something else i guess like a eldritch evolution into a combo or something like that right like something like that but usually it's you're you're hoping to blank them on a fetch they just they strike out they don't get a land this card literally (laughs) you play this in the exact same situation and you get a land a hundred percent um if 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 you play this in the same situation that is most common in modern you're just going to get their land it's going to be a Mm -hmm. three two that loses them a life and ramps you a card um and if it's in a situation where they're playing anything of like real significance, you'll get like a total haymaker. And now, because it's for the rest of the game, it's not this turn, correct? All their fetch lands are dead cards. So if they can't kill this card, it means that 40% well, well, of the, the later, cards in their deck. The later half is Aven Mind Sensor does too. The only thing that is different is you get the card. Except that Aven Mind Sensor gets, except that Aven Mind Sensor, if you want to take a chance and burn it, you might just hit a land that works for you. It's happened to me plenty of times, right? Like, yes, that happens if they're going to lose and they need to cast something that turn, I guess. And you can do that. But for the most part, you are and, and especially in the world that we're talking about, which is commander. You don't you 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 like aren't going to risk the top four cards of you being a fetchable land. This and even in like older formats, I think that's less likely. I would say that is a risky. I mean, you do it if you're going to lose, right? Like, oh, I, I either fetch here and I win, or or I don't, or you kill me. Um, I I am not saying that this isn't better than Aven Mind Sensor. This is a better card than Aven Mind Sensor, but I don't. I think the play pattern is the same, and the play pattern you, you, with Aven Mind Sensor is that if I'm, is if just I'm that guy that's play, what you're saying is that if I'm that guy that's playing that two color deck that hits my curve. This card is just that card that you wanted to be sweet, but actually is just a three two with flash that doesn't do anything for you. And you might hold it all game, hoping I do something and kind of construct a strategy to have it open, but never get there because I'm just playing a deck that doesn't care about that. Right. Like like between the two of them, once they're in play, they are kind of the same card, which is I am greatly discouraging you from ever searching your deck. And so the cards that you have that search your deck are dead cards. The one time you get them with it, it's this is definitively better and you can get some insane plays, especially in, in older formats. But people weren't writing letters home about how dope Aven Mind Sensor was in CDH. It's good. It's a good card. It's a played card in CDH, and this card is better than that card. I just don't think it's that... I don't think it's that insane of a card, and 
people are freaking out about this card, right? Like people are threatening to quit. It was the, it, when this card was previewed, literally like the internet blew up in a problematic way because that's what the magic community does. And I think it was not in any way earned, especially when Hall Breacher was printed. I think that card is way worse. Um, but Opposition Angel, I think is dope. I'm really excited to play with it. I think it does healthy things to the format, not negative things. Um, two more, com- two last comments, unless you have something else. Uh, no, no, no. Um, the first one is, uh, I would just say don't play this card until after uh, COVID. Or if you're playing web stream magic, it's a oh, oh, very, oh, yes. very, very difficult card to deal with. Yeah. With unless you, unless you're playing in a group where every single one of you has deck lists that are accurate, do not play with this card in paper stream magic. It doesn't work correctly. Yeah, it seems horrible. Uh, the other thing is the controversy with the blue one, which is it thought it would be red. Uh, this feels like it should be a white card. This this was another one of the cards where people like, why does white keep losing things that it does? Like this is even mind sensor, but slightly better within the realm of stuff that white does. White can exile cards from people's decks. It can tutor. It can have a flash thing that stops people from searching. This was a white effect an hour ago. <laughs> and now it could have been, yeah, it could it could have been a white black creature. Uh, been fine. So, so people, what one, one cool thing. And, and I wish they did this. There was also the conversation of having like a cycle of these. And if, if the blue one was red and the black one was white, you could have also done like a green one that if a token would come under play under someone's control, you get it yeah. instead or a creature this turn. That seems a little too good. So token or plus one, plus one counters and token, like a doubling season theft would have been cool. Um, I really liked that idea. And then, um, like, gaining life is obviously a classic white or a black one where if they were to gain life, you gain that life instead and that kind of stuff. But um, but that's everywhere. That like That's a standard card. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like, there was a cool opportunity to do some cool versions of this, and then the blue one ends up being kind of lame. And I think it, it, it would be better if it... These cards would be better if it was effects that they control, right? That's, I think, where I'm, I'm, I'm at the most, where it's like... Yeah let's let's uh and that effect exists there are cards that deal with that so like ashiok for instance it, like doesn't let you ashiok doesn't turn off the one mana you tutor and they tutor effect because it's an effect you control yeah yeah of course ashiok the whole the whole idea with that one being that uh if they cast their own thing it, it screws them but if you path them they can still search correct um, correct i think they should have templated these cards they should have templated these cards the same way in fact, yeah. these effects should be templated that way moving forward. I think it would be better for magic. Do you want to go over just random other cards or do you want to go over the third controversial card from this set? I think because we're uh, being a little bit long winded, let's make sure we we get to that card. I think let's just do it. Um, and then whatever else we get to tonight is great. And cool. I think, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Jeweled Lotus, zero mana artifact. Tap, sacrifice, jeweled Lotus, add three mana of one, any one color. Spend this mana only to cast your commander. Conveniently for time uh this card is not playable in any format that does involve a commander so uh brawl Oathbreaker, commander spark anything with commanders that go for it but uh people are very angry about this card people did not like it um what are your thoughts uh, i have thoughts but i would like to hear your thoughts first i wasn't that upset about this card i read it and to me it felt like okay so this card is better than Soul Ring on turn one in a commander deck. It is, because most of the time, if it's in that particular deck, your commander is going to probably come down on turn one, or maybe a turn faster, right? Maybe maybe it's a five drop, so it'll come down on turn two. Like, 
Whereas Soul Ring is two extra mana every single turn. So you're going to get four mana on turn two sustainably. Um, where And also Commander is this format where you have, generally speaking, three other players. So if you play your Commander like on turn one, somebody's just going to be like, okay, the first chance any of us get, kill it. Because like he spent all his you know resources on that card. They're speaking about me doing it. So um, I think it's really pushed and cool and probably opens up the some commander decks especially in the cdh community to being that much faster like this is a right this is a staple in every cdh deck forever now it's 100 percent played i can't imagine unless it's the five color deck or something where this card doesn't do that much for you but in general like i don't look at this card and think like this does that much for you other than the one thing everybody knows you have anyway and if you get it out really fast because of this card you'll be a target faster which is already what happens in, in, in you know EDH and Commander if you if you go really aggro with your with your strategy you just die really fast mm-hmm. so like I think it's a cool splashy thing it harkens back to Lotus but like I can't see what people are so upset about like really what this actually represents to people yeah I agree with you uh, I I get where people are upset I understand why people are upset because they think this is an auto included every Commander deck kind of what you said that would be true in CDH which I actually disagree with. Uh, they think that like this becomes another soul ring where you have to play it. It's $150 on SCG when this first got previewed. I don't know what it is now. I think it's probably calmed down a little bit. Uh, it is a like Josh Lee Kwai in a thread with Blake uh, Rasmussen who works at uh, Watsi had like a, a good point on like the problem with this card is its swinginess is that it creates when it is good. It makes games less good. Because it's just like that one person is ahead. They're able to play the commander for Urza gets to play their, their commander in turn one. Great. Um, and that game now just like didn't exist and we wasted our time. So in that sense, I guess, I think this card is just not that 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 insane. I don't think like people aren't playing Dark Rituals, right? Like unless you're like taking advantage of it, which fine. Like if you're playing an artifact deck that can take advantage of this, I guess this is a really, really good card in that deck. As soon as this card isn't worth $150, I'm going to buy them for... The decks that I own that are artifact themed, the Malfagors, I built a new Silas Ren Rebecca deck. Those will, will probably take advantage of this pretty well. Um, I posted dope lists that were Maga the Traitor, uh, Jeweled Lotus, and uh, um, Salvaging Station lists that okay. like yep. uh, you make. If there are, I think it was like 45 creatures in play, you win the game. Or you just like one shot kill a person and then you have a 45-45 in play with this card any commander that has like an x effect is like really dope the green um vathaloth whatever right i don't know how to say that guy's name the the kicker Which x one? you make x one one sapling tokens all saplings get plus one plus one. Oh yeah i, I don't know the name Vyaloth, of the card i don't about. know i'm never gonna say that card it's right there <laughs> thanks marshall <laughs> um like salvaging station with this card is really dope because every time a creature dies you can play the jeweled lotus you can put the jeweled lotus back in play uh and then sack it to make mana and you for your commander as long as your commander has an x in its computer mana cost gadwick thassa's oracle on this is really dope um so i think that's but i think that's cool like there are other cards that do dumb shenanigans and that involves a six mana artifact you have to have in play uh and only works in four decks uh i guess there's like eight decks but like four single color decks and to your point on multicolor creatures or commanders i think if you're playing more than three colors this card is bad unless you're artifact themed like if you're like playing i guess if you're playing partners that are one color partners one of the new ones it's a little bit better but like gold cards don't 
like if this card is only getting you to get a discount on your commander tax, this card's bad. So if this isn't just able to cast your commander or help you cast it on turn one or two, it's not really worth it anymore. And now you're playing with a dead card. And as you said, you're down a card, right? Like you're 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 down a card that's pretty significant unless you have a way to take advantage of it. I I I think it's good. I think it's fine. Uh, I think the, the times that it is good, there is a good argument that maybe it's unfun. And that's a fair argument to have. Um, but I, and I think it might become a little too much of a staple in CDH. Like, I think it's a little close to every CDH deck might need to play it, especially with all the new partner cards. But I think, I think, I think that's the biggest problem to be honest with you. I, I think it's more to do. I, I think that's way more of a problem. Those decks are so low to the ground. They're so tuned to win fast. I mean, think about something like a Najila. That's already an incredibly fast, incredibly powerful deck. This just casts Najila and a you guess this this Najila and a mana creature on turn one. And you're so close already. You're already so close to winning the game at that point. Sure. And Urza, it's problematic. Um, I, I guess I guess with those decks it is, and that's a problem. But I don't think like if I'm playing a Tim Thanos, uh not Tim Atanos, Tim uh, Thrasios kind of deck, yeah. I don't know if I play this card because it doesn't get either of my commanders into play ever. Uh, if I'm playing this in blood pod, I don't know if I would play it there either where like my two commanders, this doesn't really help. I guess it kind of helps cause it helps get, uh, the red green one, which I'm forgetting the name of Ron. Uh, yeah, uh, it's right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. and the red green one that when you know, trample two, two, uh, whenever it does damage, make that many tokens. Uh, but that's like kind of the worst one you're playing that mostly because you need another thing to attack with Tana makes Tana tokens. Like, I don't care if that's in play on turn one and I've just discarded a card that I'd much rather be a hate card. So like, I think your deck has to be a very low color quantity, which in CDH is rare already, um, or rarer. I don't know. I, 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 and I think a regular commander, this card is just fine. I think like, yeah, I, I think this card is like, I think people overreacted to this card. I think way more so than those other two we talked about. Those other two are way more problematic to me. This card is like very cool and interesting for its format. It might prove to be too powerful. If it does prove to be too powerful and it gets banned. Okay. But like, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I still kind of feel like in general, a hundred cards, one copy per deck. Like if it's the kind of thing where it's an auto include in every single magic deck, and people are unwilling to switch it between their decks or play with proxies in the decks if they have one, just like then I can see people being annoyed because there are some people who are purists that are like, I will never switch cards. I will only play with the cards I have in my decks. Right. And that's a problem because even now with this card depleted, it's still over a hundred dollars. And this is going to be in most commander decks. This will be in more decks than it's not. Um, so that, I see that. I guess that's my point that I, do. I don't think it'll be in more decks than it's not. I think people will realize that it's not. I think like it's, Better than Black Lotus and worse. Sorry, <laughs> it's better than Dark Ritual, but worse than Mana Crypt. And yeah, I mean, man- it's it's, it's sorry, kind of the thing where True Name Nemesis Revolt. didn't end up in every single blue deck that ever was played in the history of Commander forever, right? Mm-hmm. But when it was printed, it was like, what, what, this card? You know, it's just a card people play. Yeah, I. I meant Mana Vault, not Mana Crypt. Sorry. I think it's I think it's worse than Mana Crypt. It's worse than Mana Vault. It's better than Dark Ritual. Yeah. And I think in, in, with True Name Nemesis, I think the problem with True Name Nemesis was pl- the play style was more toxic than this is, and this is toxic. I don't know. I like it's fine. 
I'm, 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 I think it, like, I, I would rather they had not printed it fine, but they did. And I think it's not nearly as bad or as scary as people were saying it was. And I think, like, long run, it's going to just be cut from a lot of people's decks. I think they're going to put it in there because they think they have to. And then they're going to draw it a bunch of times and it's going to do nothing. Uh, Plague Reaver, two and a black. Creature Beast, six, five. At the beginning of your end step, sacrifice each other creature you control. Discard two cards. Sacrifice Plague Reaver. Choose target opponent. Return Plague Reaver to the battlefield under that player's control at the beginning of their next upkeep. The play pattern on this card reminds me, even though it's not, it reminds me of the the effects that I was looking at a lot when I was trying to build Hunted Handsome all those years ago with like uh, Necro, whatever the hell that black three drop was, the destroyed creatures equals the counters on it. Like, all those types of effects of switching control, destroying all things. Now, this is not that because this card has a few really, really distinct and very unique uh, details built into it, which is like it's a three mana six five that immediately you can discard two cards to do great effect. So like it's just a three mana creature that like you can discard two cards probably for advantage to give this to your opponent during their upkeep, mind you, to destroy all their creatures, it can't attack that turn. And then what? You can bounce it back to your hand? Like, there's a bunch of stuff this card does. The play pattern on this card is really sweet. Like, like if you're playing a deck that this is your only creature, the play pattern for this card is two, three mana, or like you're playing Lingering Souls or something, you know, something that like if you have to sacrifice it, whatever, you play this, uh, you discard two cards, and then your opponent on their next master sack is a board wipe, right? They wipe their board and they have a six, five. It does have haste. They can block with it or they can discard two cards to give it back to you. Uh, it doesn't have haste, but they've had it from their turn to be it. what the wipe their board, you have to give it to them at that before they would have it. Um, no, no, it's, it's beginning of their upkeep. Yeah. The beginning of their upkeep. So if you give it to them on your turn, they uh, upkeep with it, sack other creatures, then they have a six, five. No, no, no. Discard two cards. Sacrifice Plague Reaver. Choose target opponent. Return Plague Reaver to the battlefield under that player's control at the beginning of their next upkeep. Oh. So, got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm telling oh, you. So, okay. so there's no haste on this card. So it comes, it comes in on their turn. Yep. They can't attack, and it wrecks all their creatures, but I believe it's at end of turn when it wrecks them all. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you play it. You sacrifice it. You do the thing. You don't even have to sacrifice your creatures. They get it. Yes. You had to discard cards to gain value. And oh, oh, yeah. So this card's even better than I thought it was. I love this card. This card's so dope. I thought that was already good. <laughs> uh, the play pattern on the card is very, very cool. Um, it, it definitely means that if you have control and your deck is built around this type of effect, you're going to be in business. Like you're definitely, they're not going to be able to use this to their advantage at all. It's, it's set up with enough things going on that you can hundred percent do that. Right. Like which I think a scenario cool. you play like the discard your cards game to like, they can discard two cards to not sack their board, right? They have an option yeah. in and out. Now, if they have a big enough board where they want to protect it, likely they don't have that many cards in hand uh so you're getting good ones they have to discard the cards no they can discards after drawing uh also it's a three mana six five if you don't have any creatures in play if you just don't want to do that you can just play this and have a three mana six five <laughs> I, I i see this card alongside life from the loam and i'm just like yes yeah. this is so sweet in mm-hmm. like a jund lands deck like this is so sweet <laughs> i will be playing this card in any format that is legal and i have the ability to play uh, next card is Wheel of Misfortune. Two in a red sorcery. Each player secretly chooses a number zero or greater. 
Then all players reveal those numbers simultaneously and determine the highest and lowest numbers revealed this way. Wheel of Misfortune deals damage equal to the highest number to each player who chooses that number. Each player who didn't choose the lowest number discards their hand, then draws seven cards. So what's interesting about this is that this creates a weird game of who gets to get the Wheel of Fortune. It's yeah, it's 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 a it's not a punisher card, but it's a it's a modality card where there's definitely different options. I think it's a cool card. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little confusing when you read the wording. It reminds me a bit of like some of the will of the council type of conspiracy type of cards the way that they, they read. Oh, the break it down without using the text, because I, I agree that it took me like five times of reading this. Basically, you and me, if we're playing one v one, each pick a number over zero. Whoever picks the highest number takes that much damage. And then whoever and then everyone but the person who picked the lowest number gets to Wheel of Fortune if they would like. Or no, get, so get, if there's get two of Wheel us. of Fortune, they have to Wheel of Fortune. So, so if, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so if you play this and I pick three and you pick two, I take three and you get a wheel. No, you take three and you get a wheel and I get nothing, but I don't take damage. Ah, OK, OK, OK. So the person. So what happens to the, the person who picks the lowest number? Nothing, nothing. So if I pick zero, I don't take damage. I don't get the wheel. Ah, so okay. if, if this is a four player game, player A pays five life, player th- uh, B plays four life, player C plays three life, player whatever plays zero life. Player who played zero life doesn't get the wheel, doesn't take any damage. They just opted out. And anyone could pick zero, right? We could all just pick, say, I don't want a wheel. I'm going to pick zero, whatever. And I like the other players take five, four, and three, and they all wheel. And they're all trying to figure out how much life am I willing to pay to be able to wheel. Um, but while also making it low enough that I'm less than someone else, so I don't take any damage. And then only the person with the highest number takes damage, and only the person with the lowest number doesn't draw seven cards and discards their oh, hand. Oh, oh, gotcha. So in a two-player game, it will just be the lowest person, nothing happens. The highest person takes damage and draws cards. But if there's three people, that same situation happens, but the person in the middle will just get a wheel. Right. Like if, if I have this in Modern, in Legacy, in Storm, I pay and my opponent is tapped out. I just in my storm chain pay 19 life expecting to then with the extra seven cards being able to wheel a fortune for three mana in that format one sided be able to win. Right. Like that's that's the like the well, no, but that's, then, you're, but then you're paying the most the 19 and you're paying the most life and then I get the wheel of fortune. I can guarantee you that wheel lose, of but you also lose life but you also will take the extra point won't you. Yeah. yeah. Well that's I'm, I'm saying I win that turn. But ooh. read the card. If I if I pay nineteen uh, life, when, I, when does the damage happen? When I wheel of fortune. So I'm at I'm at twenty. I pay nineteen life. I'll end up at okay. one life in wheel of fortune. But you're playing you're playing storm. So I just I just cast all the spells I drew. I, I cast them. The highest number to each player who chose that number. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. 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 Because you'll pay nineteen life. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. 19 is the amount of damage you'll take. You're not paying 19 life. 19 is the damage you take. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. The, way Sorry. Just, the way you just said it, I was mixed up. Okay, okay. You pay, you pay 19. You'll take 19 damage. You'll wheel. I That'll be what 19. happens. I take 19 damage. I wheel. Yes. My opponent doesn't pick 19. Or if they do, I get to just grape shot them off of one spell. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they... So that's like that's like the go all in game plan. If you're worried about having a guarantee on here, this is the card you play to make sure you win that turn um, if you want to go that route. Uh, but 
or you can always do the thing like if you're playing in an aggro deck and burn casting this on turn 10 like on a turn where you have more life than them right you're against a control player you've done 12 damage to them or you've done six damage to them they're at 14 you're at 20 pay 15 life they like have to let you wheel and now you're getting a one-sided wheel which is pretty cool um in multiplayer this card's sweet right like you get to play that fun game that i like i'm gonna put this in a bunch of decks uh i really like it it's cool i think it's sweet yeah i'm on board uh next card is court of bounty two green green enchantment and this is our monarch card for the day when court of bounty enters the battlefield you become the monarch at the beginning of your upkeep you may put a land card from your hand on the battlefield if you are the monarch instead you may put a creature or land card from your hand onto the battlefield um this card's sweet uh it lets you draw cards it's four mana draw a card uh enchantment that on your upkeep you get to either draw another or you get to put a land into play or you get to put a and Elmer Cole into play. <laughs> yeah, this card's really powerful. Um, this card has big time, I think, eternal applications. Obviously, you know, I actually think this card getting printed into modern is probably fine. Um, I think it's on the line, but it's, it's, yeah, I agree. I think it would be okay. Yeah, there's thing. I mean, think about the number of things that in modern affect this, right? So, number one, because I believe, is the Monarch damage or combat damage? I believe it's combat damage. If that's the case, so you're in green, you play this, right? Your opponent has to be able to get through to steal Monarch back from you. Uh, you've already drawn a card. So four mana green to draw a card, which is, you know, fine. Totally reasonable rate. Combat then damage. there are like, go ahead. It's combat damage. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So then in blue, there's plenty of effects that bounce things. So, you know, cryptic commands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um in other colors, there are enough effects and things, you know, Night, Night of Autumns and effects like that that are sort of incidental that take care of court. Um, and at the end of the day, you also have to have this plus the creature that you want to win the game with. Yeah, it's a sorcery speed enchantment that can easily be countered. I think this card to me feels like all the things that like a like summoning trap or that type of effect um, want to do, but just in a slightly more efficient, a little bit more sound way. And I like the fact that it has the added application of just this draws me a card. And also I put a land onto the battlefield, even if I don't have the thing I need. Right, right. Like it's a value engine. It's a really sweet value engine in like a big mana green ramp deck. I think like I would play this card maybe in uh, as a sideboard card also out of Titan. uh, Yeah, Titan Titan decks, because like you can play this kind of as your Azusa. Uh, out of the sideboard as a card draw engine against control players so that like if they enter your titan you're getting to draw a card every turn off of being the monarch and then once in a while you get to play a titan they don't apply pressure so you don't have to worry about losing the monarch I think that like the limitation of this card is that it just like is a four mana enchantment that does actually nothing it draws you a card but it does nothing the turn it comes into play on turn four so like I think I think the balance on this card is actually pretty badass I'm like I'm pretty pretty stoked on it it feels it feels kind of exactly right for what it is like it doesn't feel like this card would be oppressive it just feels like if a deck that was already rolling downhill and doing pretty well played this you'd be like "Ugh, how do i win against this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but I that's agree. it's not it's not unfair yeah no I, I really like it i think it's a really cool card um yeah the last cards we're going to talk about today uh uh, and before we do that, I do want to thank our patrons. Uh, thank you, guys. You're the best, and girls. And we do, for people who don't know, uh, what's cool about our Patreon is that we have uh, a raw feed version of the episode that has all of the arguing, that uh, all of the swearing, but also almost always a 10 to 20 minute 
um, pre-discussion on things that aren't magic related. Like today we talked about what our favorite action uh, movie in history is. Plus I then trivia Ben <laughs> on some what years did movie come out game. Uh, a couple weeks ago we did like favorite chips. Uh, a few weeks before that we did favorite candy bars. We've done movie conversations. Uh, it's really awesome. I definitely recommend it. Uh, in, and everyone on Patreon gets I think it's $5 and above patron level. Uh, so it's a really cool, cool thing that is available on our patron. Uh, and then... Um, Definitely also, please, as I mentioned at the beginning, we have a schedule now. The schedule for the episode has changed. So this episode now comes out on Mondays for audio only and uh, uh, video on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Please comment which card you're most excited about, which legendary creature uh, commander decks you want, because we're going to talk about those next week. So if you can comment your favorite legendary creature that you want to build a commander deck off of, we can then talk about it next week on the episode. Um, and then, um, but if, if, if you watch the episode, Mondays now, and then Fridays are when hot takes come out, which is when the episodes used to come out. And then Monday evenings is when we do our live stream for Commander on twitch.tv slash Cass Wiley. It's now just on Twitch because we'll then release the video on Wednesday onto YouTube. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, content every week. Uh, and then a live stream every Monday on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Cass Wiley. Ben is also streaming. I am. I, I've been doing it actually every Wednesday. I took a close to a month off, uh, but I've been back at it the last couple weeks. Um, playing a bunch of stuff in historic. I tried to build this one deck this one night. Uh, God, it was all like sideboard answer cards that I spent way too many wild cards on. It was so bad, but <laughs> I, I played the rogue deck. I played the rogues deck and got all the way to mythic. And then I was playing the, the Jess guy, super friends deck with Gideon and Pacts for a while. That was really fun. I'm still working on something else. Um, I just haven't figured out exactly what I want to build, but I've had, I've been having a great time doing it. So, so follow me there at, uh, twitch.tv slash Ben Bateman streaming. All right. So the last cards in today we're going to talk about it's a cycle it is the nine mana sorcery cycle uh including the green <laughs> one the red one there's a blue one a white one and a black one soul fire eruption reshape the earth uh i don't have the black one and white ones down i'm realizing marshall is thankfully putting it below us the black one is called drum roll please ben give me drums <laughs> the black one where is it is called profane transfusion all right, Profane Transfusion for the win. I, I then, love oh wait, this we have, one. We have, we have two oh, more. Yeah. We got drum roll again. Got to get to the blue one. It's going to show up. Uh, the blue one is called Mnemonic Deluge. Deluge. Mnemonic Deluge. Damn, that is a hard card to say, reading it out loud without thinking about what those were. Mnemonic, Mnemonic Deluge. Neither of those letters are said correctly. And then the last one is Triumphant Reckoning at a white. Um, so these three cards uh, are nine mana. They all ostensibly read in some way you win the game. Um, though why not are some you more saying, others why, others. why are you saying these three cards? What is the reason? These five cards. These five cards. Five. Because I'm bad at n- counting. I didn't know if you had only said the name. Counting. Like, oh, counting's for for blockers. All right. Uh, so. Um, they're, 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 and, and they all have really cool effects. So the, let's talk about the first one, which I think is the one that is the most, uh, especially in two player, but in, in four player even as well, the most I win the game. And that is reshape the earth. That's six green, green, green. Search your library for up to 10 land cards, put them on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. So you get your ballot. So I mean, yeah, in, in modern or in any format like that. Now, granted, if this existed in modern, uh, why would you ever play this card? Like scape shift is this card. It costs right. four. I agree with that. Right. Like this card is not good in, in the one V one formats. It's actually, I think just cool and fun in commander because for this, I mean, you could Valak it, but in commander, like 
Valakut, you still need to have up to nine lands to be able to like get your Valakut and your Vesuva and your seven you know mountains to kill one person. So you may as well play this card. There's no risk of you know any of the other stuff. So you probably play both in that deck. But I, to me, this card is just like this is in my big ramp deck that probably in all reality can get to nine a lot easier than the other colors. I probably play this on like turn six or something and so, just kill someone. So if, if I, I were to put to. this in Tamio, I can pretty much guarantee that I lock the game out. Not necessarily through like a val- I'm not playing Valakut or like not through feel of the dead trigger, though I would probably find feel of the dead of the among the ten. I like that more than Valakut because it doesn't dictate what your other nine cards have to be. But getting like this glacial chasm, uh thespian stage, dark depths plus maze of if plus like you know a bunch of like four other lands that are all like yeah. just yep. so good utility lands that i'm going to be able to make it so i'm not going to lose ever again and you are going to take a 2020 to the face is i think more where i would use this card um which val could also can do right like the there's or uh, scapeshift also can do um but i think that's that's kind of where it plays in the space is like a second really really big scapeshift um the next one is the red one. Soil, soul fire eruption, six red, red, red. This is another one that it took me like three times reading it to really get a grasp on actually what it's doing. Uh, but choose any number of target creatures, planeswalkers, and or players. For each of them, exile the top card of your library. Then soil, fire, blah, blah, blah. Soul fire eruption deals damage equal to that card's converted mana cost to that permanent or player. You may play the exiled cards until the end of turn, of the next turn. So, so what, that, what that means, just for you guys to understand, because I expressed to alex before the show i thought this card was kind of bad it's all of the targets so it's their planeswalkers their creatures and the players which means that between the three players you're playing against in theory and commander that's like i don't know a ton maybe let's just say it's on average five per player so you exile 15 cards probably you kill everything and other than players obviously and the cheapest things that do not flip and do damage are the easiest ones for you to cast right so the scalable nature of it's pretty awesome um this is not a card. I don't think any card in this cycle will see any play in like a modern or a legacy even. Correct. But they're all very fun cards for Commander. Uh, I think the white one could. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, what's what's cool about this one is like I'm going to put this in Nahiri tomorrow or like whenever these cards exist in my life. Uh, and because like. I would even say even if the average was three cards per player, right, if I'm drawing nine cards and doing random damage to each of those creatures and players in Nahiri, those nine cards are like guaranteed to hit multiples six drops or more like five of those nine cards are four mana and better four of those cards are 10 mana or more and so right. being able to just like you get hit by an Eldrazi you get hit by an Eldrazi you get hit by a Eldrazi the, the sad part is when you do this if you don't cast them they're exiled forever so you want to be a little careful in that deck but it just is going to be really really sweet the first time I do it um but then beyond that, you get to play like the cards you get. You have until your next turn to play them. Uh, I think it's I think it's really cool. You may play the exiled cards until the end of your next turn, and you get your next turn to play them. That's that's the thing where it's not the end of this turn. Well, or you the need next it because presumably casting this for nine, you're not going to cast Correct. any of them this turn. Correct. Correct. Unless they cost zero. But if they cost zero, you don't want to flip them. So where right. is that? Right. Um, the next card. I guess these went to my downloads now. Where did they go? I saved I've all got of the them. next one here. Right, so, so cool. we're so so yeah. So uh, we've talked about the green one. We've talked about the red one. We'll talk about the black one now, which is black, 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 profane transfusion sorcery. Two target players exchange life totals. You create an XX colorless horror artifact creature token, where X is the difference between those players' life totals. Target includes yourself. So, 
Uh, you get to switch the two life totals of the players that presumably have the highest disparity between their totals, and you get a giant creature to make up the difference. Mm -hmm. So if I'm at four and you're at 40, I get a 36 power creature. You go to four, I go to 36. That seems awesome. It's a little bit narrow in terms of its effect. You don't get three copies of the creature. I think they should have given you a, a bigger, like, because sometimes the disparity in life totals won't be big enough. So nine, sure. like that's the one thing about these cards is that nine mana is so massive um, that you really want to feel like when you play something for nine, you're probably going to win the game. Like you might not in commander. Sometimes you don't. Obviously, lots of spells cost a lot of mana, but nine's big. Like yep. you don't want to feel like I play something for nine and then everybody at the table just like shrugs their shoulders. Like you want to feel like when I play this for nine, it's kind of like end game a little bit. And I think this calls for a situation where the, the, where the life totals are a little bit specific. Presumably you have the low total is the, what this is especially good for. But if I just like switch two of my opponents from 10 to 40, now one of them has 10 and one has 40, but I still have 40. I, I mean, I kind of care. I guess you can play politics. Like we'll now kill him. He was the one well, who was the problem. Yeah. Nine mana for a 30, 30 is uh, a pretty good rate. Generally. Mm. I mean, it's not a good card. No, like, you know, wouldn't not, play that. Not, not, not really. Not if it doesn't have trample or flying or hexproof sure. or something. Like, it's just a creature. It can get bounced or like. I mean, they would versus... they would never print a nine mana 30-30. Straight up. I don't agree with that at all. I think tomorrow they would do that. Well, they just did. I mean, this kind of. They, I don't know if they would. Is There's nothing close to that. One green, eight mana. <laughs> Beast. 30-30. Uncommon. In the next set. Not surprised. I think that is above and beyond. I don't like uh, so they've printed Marilyn's is a 2020. Uh, what's the life gain? The one that is equal to your life total. Sarah's avatar is like historically I mean, the big I, one. I, I, totally. That's like seven mana. There's like a lot of creatures that are big, but like if it has no abilities and it's just a giant creature for nine is a prohibitively high cost. Like sure. this is the only format where nine drops even get cast. In Commander, are you telling me that if somebody cast a 9-mana 30-30? And I'm not saying this card. I'm saying just just a creature. You would be scared at all? Oh, I would be scared from the perspective of if I could not block it, I would die. But yeah, I agree just that like it would be fine. Days. I agree that I it think would be fine. I think you understand what I'm saying. Though. Yeah. It doesn't feel... The, 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 the size of a creature anymore does not actually feel that scary. They it's, could print... The difference between a 30-30 and a 100-100 is like negligible in my mind. They're almost like the same thing. Is this card... Well, the reason 30-30 I think is possible for them to print now that we're talking about it is because of the 40% 40 life total, right? Like, it's not like... Um, the only reason I think they would maybe not print that is if there are any cards out there that I'm not thinking of, but for sure might exist, which is like exile a creature card from your hand and gain life or do damage equal to its power, tough, you know, something like that. Or like in your graveyard, you may like exile a card in your graveyard and make a XX equal to how big it is. And that costs four mana because a four mana 30, 30, I think is too strong. <laughs> I think the card that would get printed, if we're being honest, is like black, 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 36. This card costs one less to cast uh, for, you know, basically subtract the casting cost your life total kind of a deal. So that if you were at four, this would be a four mana 40, 40. That, that card actually feels like it could exist because if you could find some way to get up to four black on turn one and pay down to four life, you could get a 40, 40. But like, that's the card. It's kind of, it's the sort of like, avatar of hope effect if you have a low life total this card is cheaper 
And yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see if anyone in the chat has a version of this card that exists. Uh, I'd love to like, or, or what, what's the best power and toughness you can get for rate on a card right now that doesn't involve any other cards other than just the mana you have. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Uh, but, but on the, on the, on the, like me, if I'm at a low life total, I could kill someone with this card pretty easily, right? Like if I have a creature, but I'm at five and everyone's like, oh, it doesn't matter. He has creatures, but we're all at 40. I could just be like, switch life totals. I attack you. You're dead. I think from the perspective of commander, 40, 40. like the, the design of the card is super fun for that reason. Mm-hmm. The same reason that you can switch opponents life totals, you know, in the turn cycle to, to set up like you thought you were safe, but actually before it's your turn, you're no longer at 38. You're now at seven. You're going to die on before your turn because I did this thing. Right. Right. That that like politic move for a nine minute spell is pretty cool. And I think it, it fits perfectly into a set like this. Yep. Commander Legends, the whole idea of the set is like, let's print really cool, splashy things that we haven't seen before. Yep. yep. Um, Mnemonic yeah. Deluge, six blue, blue, blue sorcery exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Copy that card three times. You may cast the copies without paying their mana costs. Exile Mnemonic Deluge. Um, interesting templating. I guess that's the way you have yeah. to say that. The fact that you copy the card three times before you cast the copies hmm. is like a weird way of phrasing it, but uh, which I guess allows you to just get cast triggers um, if there's something that you want to cast. Now, what's cool about this card is if you can cast this card, you can cast all the other ones we've talked about <laughs> True. Uh, and copy yeah. it three times. Now, that black card looks great. I guess it doesn't do anything because you're just switching back and forth. The red one's dope uh, to copy it three times. This card's fine. I think I think like you can do something really dumb and silly with this. I'm probably like it probably just wins the game. Like if we want to like think about it, think about it. There's probably a way just to win the game. It's casting a spell three times out of your graveyard um, for free. Seems like you could do something dumb. Uh, I'm not really thinking of what that is off the top of my head. I'm assuming there's some really expensive th- sorcery in the world that lets you go crazy here. What's the most I think, like I, I just think again, like if you're if you're casting something that costs nine, there are lots of things you can chain it with to do something even more absurd than that. Sure. Um, the only one of these that feels like it's not a nine drop is the green one because green triple green invites ramp so completely. Um, I guess none of them have more than three mana symbols of one particular color. So artifact ramp does get you these cards mm-hmm. pretty fast. So there are situations where artifact ramp on the blue one is that's more of a haymaker. We're going to talk about the white one in a second. I think probably blue and white have the largest haymaker effects in a non-traditional effect because like black is we just talked about pretty narrow in terms of what it does. And red is insane. It's super, super, super good. But also if you're playing lots of things you can cast for cheap that ramp quickly, it's not as good of a card. Because like those are what you're flipping is things that you won't want to cast as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does feel like white and blue both have the same ability of like if I can cast blue on turn five after like sculpting my graveyard in some way, even if I just get the black one into my graveyard within four turns and I copy it three times and whoever has, you know, 10 less life or something like that. Now I, I get, you know, three 10 tens. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just... I think the blue one has, if you're going to ramp into it with artifact mana, I think the, the blue one could do some really cool stuff. There's, there's like copying any spell in the game three times could do some pretty monster stuff. Yep. 
and and now the last one, which is Triumphant Reckoning. Six white, 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 sorcery, returnal artifacts, enchantments, and planeswalkers cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. I think this is the um the most I win the game written on a card of any of these cards. I think it goes this and then green. You have to have a deck that's built to do it. Your deck has to be built to take advantage of this, but I can name a lot of different artifact self mill decks or, you know, Carador like decks that if I just have the right things in my graveyard, I instantly win. And my deck is built to get those things in my graveyard and I'm playing like green, white, black. So ramping into this isn't that hard or I'm in an artifact deck and I'm playing just every artifact ritual ramp spell under the sun. And this just gets me to that. No problem. And now you're getting like a bunch of artifacts into play and like just doing crazy things with those. I think this card in, in a similar vein has just like, I win the game. Your deck has to be built around casting this card and like open the vaults, but there are decks that are built around casting open the vaults. And this is just a second open the vaults, which is another thing it, it, to the extent that in a modern legal setting, this is a card that I could, this is actually of all of them. The one that I think would maybe try and see play. Um, this is yeah it's, it's it's the most over the top for sure i think you you would need to have a pretty sound strategy to make sure that was it what was in your graveyard was like not just good stuff but like good stuff to the effect of like my opponent can no longer do something like it, it kind of would need to win you the game when you when you did it in mm-hmm. a not in a probably because my things are good way but in like a i comboed these two things together and you can no longer play any spells way yeah yeah um, i'm thinking like, like in an eggs deck right where I'm able to ramp to nine and then I using just like ghost quarter on things and I can cast this spell bringing back all of the artifacts that I put in the graveyard this turn, producing a ton of mana, drawing a bunch of cards, can resack them, put this back on top of my deck, draw this, play it again, bring them all back, go off, right? And play Gravestorm or, or Grape Shot or whatever. I did just think of back on the blue one for a second. Um, the idea of <laughs> the idea of targeting time stretch is so sweet. Uh, uh, <laughs> getting six six extra turns in a row. Yes. Yeah. Extra um, time effects sounds... with that card's really good. Say what? Extra turn effects with that card are really good. Just yeah, even again, just get taking... time warp, it's really good, especially because like probably hitting your land drops means you can like flash it back and like get another time warp effect. Time stretch costs um, how much? <laughs> I think time stretch costs ten. <laughs> so that's so, like, this is cheaper. This is cheaper than time stretch and takes an extra turn if you hit a time warp with it. Yes, if you exactly, it's one cheaper if you have any of those effects in your graveyard, most of which exile, which is there, but but you know, temporal manipulation doesn't, time warp doesn't. Um, you can also discard them, right? Like if you're trying to do yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and and like you know, Mizix, which is a the red blue commander that like for makes things cheaper for how much experience you have. That card's like almost an auto include in that deck because it just is really good. Um, and that type of effect, right? Like there are ways to make yeah. this cheaper and there are commanders that will do that. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think, um, so that's it. Those are the next week. We're going to be talking about command individual commanders. This was kind of just like some of the cool cards we thought we'd want to talk about in older formats. Some of the commanders we'll bring up in older formats. We had a few selected, but just because it, we talked so much about the, um, avid mind sensor uh uh pals <laughs> yeah the, the controversial cards i mean that's what everybody was talking about this yep. week it felt pretty important to talk about those cards yeah. so so uh but once again thank you all for listening and watching please subscribe please like subscribe comment all these things as i said earlier if you're going to comment please comment with what your favorite uh commander 
combos are going to be in, in, in some of the different partners or just which commander you're most excited to play with. We want to hear them so we can make sure we talk about them next week. Uh, once again, check out the Patreon. Check out the raw feed. It's awesome. You get all the cool stuff. You get everything early. You get seven days early now uh, or six days early. And then uh, make sure to, uh, yeah, thanks for watching. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us uh, on Twitch. Check out the show every Monday night, every Wednesday on YouTube, and every Monday morning for this show, and every Friday for Hot Takes, and uh, Wednesday for Ben Streaming. Uh, at Kess Wiley, at Ben Bateman Streaming, at Kess Wiley everywhere else, at Ben Bateman Media everywhere else. Uh, thank you, Marshall, for all of the editing wizardry you're doing at the moment while we're talking to you because of time travel. My last travel. thing I wanted to throw at you guys because i mentioned it earlier today to talking to you and it does matter to me uh is that i have uh taken a little bit for right back into music it's a thing that i've started doing a lot this last year it's um especially like as this year ends and i go into 2021 so i'm very excited about um and i'm playing my first show back in almost seven years it's a digital show it's very small um but there's about 10 tickets at the time we're recording this left they may be sold out at that point because i only made 50 available but if you are interested in seeing the show it's five bucks and i'll be playing about 11 songs it is november 21st at 7 p.m um i'm not gonna put the link anywhere because it's like a weird website called stage it uh that i don't have a url that's good but that's the deal it'll be streaming there i'm very excited about it if you guys do want to see the show you guys know where to find me on on social tweet at me i'll see it i'll make sure you get a ticket if you want to see the show uh, uh, if, do, you, do you have a a link to share for it at all or no yeah i can I, i'll put i will put the link in the description yeah, if you guys do want to buy a ticket there and if it's sold out like i said uh send me a message or, or tweet at me so i can make sure that you do get a ticket because i don't want anybody to not see it if you want to but it's uh i'll be releasing an album in 2021 actually my first original full original album that i'm very excited about so just wanted to say it because uh some of you guys don't know that that's something i do is the album i have not a full original album it is but that was a band i was in called fight the moon this is a solo project have you guys writing got, all like, of the music myself can you get that onto itunes or is like is that available digitally no, Fight the Moon's long gone. I think the, the Fight the Moon Volume 1 is all available on YouTube from 2009 or something like that. If you, But that's like, that's all like, we used to call it acoustic electro sex pop. This is like singer songwriter you should just similar song. The, you should just like get those songs onto TikTok or something and get them, the, as the kids say. I'm going to be playing at least one song from that record at okay. this show. So. Okay, okay. For, yeah. the, for the, for the, over the, what is it? Uh, which one, what? The band's over name. The Oh, fight the moon! Fight yes, the, yes, yeah, yes. The fight the moon one, catalog fight the moon fans during the show because it's it was I mean it was a huge part of my life. I did that for almost five years. So nice. that uh, yeah, cool, cool, cool. All right, thanks everyone. We'll talk to you guys now on one of the days of the week that we talk to you now. Uh, and thank you, Ben. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.